0: And uh, we are back. Uh, what, what song was that, Rob? What was I listening to there? That was uh, Numb by Gary Clark Jr. Numb. I, I like Gary Clark, but that song is appropriately named because it made me feel that way. Um, okay, kind of excited about this. Make sure this all works right, right technically. We have on the air with us right now, on the phone, uh, Jen Hoffman. Jen, can you hear me?
1: Yep, I can hear you
0: great. Fantastic. And we have you, too. I want to thank you so much for being on on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. Uh, real, some background real quick. We thought it would be interesting for our listeners. Uh, if you're like me, you know, you stare at the television or you listen to the radio, you know, you stare at the television, you think you know somebody, but you don't know the person. You just know what you're seeing coming through the machine. And um, you, uh, you were a reporter uh, here for some time for Channel 3 and Channel 12, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so a local and I, I met you uh, uh back during that time and uh, we became friends and since then you moved to Los Angeles and New York and um during that time I met you around this time, you had just been on The Apprentice season six.
1: Yes, I filmed that ten years ago in twenty sixteen and it aired I mean excuse me in two thousand six and it aired in
0: two thousand seven. Cool. So which means that you know uh Donald Trump
1: I do I mean I we're not besties and I don't you know we don't like text each other or emojis or anything but um I did you know we spent a decent amount of time with him it was it was 10 years ago but you know at most of the things he's saying now at most of his positions and you know people say he's changed and he's you know changes his mind about stuff all the time but the same person that I saw during the show when we were filming and spent time with him on set is definitely the same person I see now on television
0: well that, that's kind of a that's kind of a loaded statement because some people see uh, uh the guy on, and, and one of the reasons that i asked you to be on and, one, and, and thank you so much for doing it is because i did know you you were from phoenix you were a, a local reporter here you've now moved on so it's kind of a connection here with phoenix someone who knew him you know was on television with him and knows him now but based on what you said the person that you see on television is the person that you knew some people look at him and go this man is evil and insane and some people say that he's god and the savior So which one is he, or is he either or neither?
1: I mean, what is any person? Every person is multi-dimensional. I think when you see anyone on television, you get kind of a one-dimensional cartoonish version of them. Even, you know, I've seen you on stage, and I've seen you, you've coached some great comedians through becoming personalities, and I know that you even know it's very difficult to become in the spotlight unless you kind of have a shtick or have, you know, one thing about you that really stands out, so I think Donald Trump just naturally does that and is very good at crafting a character, but it's certainly based on reality and who he is. But just like anyone else, there's lots of different parts of him. I mean, in person, I thought he could be really funny. He has an excellent sense of humor, um, gets the joke, is really quick. And then, you know, when he has to put on that kind of scowling face and goes out there and does Trump, that's definitely part of him, too. So I don't people say, oh, he's just putting on an act. I think it's a facet of him that he turns up, you know, turns the dial up on but we all do that when you when we go into work we don't go into work as our lazy ass selves we go in and say you know think of yourself in a job interview right now he's interviewing to be president which is the biggest job interview maybe in the world so you know, you go to a job interview and maybe tell us about yourself you act in a certain way you don't just go oh you know i like you know chilling out you know you put on your game face whatever that means
0: Absolutely. I mean, when I look at some of his uh, when i when I look at him, let, let me let me. Here's the take one of the one of the facets that I, uh, uh, I I see in him. I think that he's a guy. There was a great comic named Bill Hicks, who was a friend of mine, who off stage was like this very spiritual uh, kind of uh, um, uh, quiet guy, and on stage he was this raging leftist anarchist. And I said, I said, Bill, I go, how can you be that there and this here? And he he goes, I don't know. I believe it when I say it. Do you think sometimes that Mr. Trump, when he's making speeches in front of a crowd and he gets excited, that he, in a sense, gets drunk on his own words, that sometimes he doesn't realize what's coming out of his mouth till after he says it?
1: You know what, Tony? I think that's a really good observation, and I think that's pretty accurate. You can see he definitely gets that, you know, whether it's like a surge of energy or adrenaline going. When he starts to hear himself speaking and kind of likes what he says, he does seem to get a little bit on his words i mean maybe what a lot of people do when they see they're getting positive feedback or energy it's just a lot of energy in return whether it's negative or positive they kind of turn it up but yeah he definitely um he's, he is a person quick to react he i feel like he takes in a lot of stimulus at once but he's able to take in a lot of different things and make sense of it really quickly i'll say he's extremely fast and i think that energy translates the input translates to output too So, you know, when he starts saying certain things and feels the feedback, I think it gets him going. And maybe he goes a little too far and says things that are a little more extreme than what he means. But I think in that moment, like you were saying about your friend, he means it. He's there. He gets excited. Uh, And then, you know, he's, from my experience, he was a reflective person who could sit back and go, oh, you know, maybe I didn't mean that so much, or maybe that was a little bit too strong of a statement. I mean, he's actually said that. You can hear him... He, he doesn't really apologize for things, but he'll say, you know, maybe that was maybe I reacted too quickly or that was too strong of a statement. I mean, even stuff he said about other candidates, he would know, go off on Marco Rubio and make fun of him. And then, you know, when Marco lost, he said, ah, oh, you know, maybe I was a little too harsh on him. I think he just gets uh, really intense about things, but does have the ability to be, you know, have, have some self-reflection. I've seen it.
0: All right, so um, uh, I, I want to do a follow-up question on that, cause I, but I had another question. But let, the follow-up question is, as President of the United States... You know, a pause in a speech, Uh, you know, tons of things can be read into a pause into a speech or an inflection in a speech that a president makes that can affect markets, affect economies, affect militaries. So, do you think that he, if he were to become president, that he's a person who could then real, because right now it doesn't seem like he realizes it. Like you said, he says what he means, it's off the cuff. Oftentimes he goes, wow, I shouldn't have said that. I went too far. I could take it back. Like, I can get an argument with my wife or someone can get an argument with your significant other and later on go, hey, I apologize. I didn't mean it. There's no harm done. But he could say something as president that could make armies move. Do you think he's a man that understands that, is going to be capable of parsing his phrases if he were to become president?
1: I mean, I certainly think he does understand that. Whether he's capable of parsing his phrases, I'm not sure because I'm not him. But I will say if you looked at his last speech that he delivered, it was... I think maybe the first one delivered from a teleprompter. It was pretempered. It was very conscious of the fact that people have that fear about him. So it means he is listening to that criticism, and that he is capable of at least temporarily changing that and paying attention. Now, once he gets into office, is he going to still continue to do that? Is he going to reel it in and be able to take pause before making decisions? I don't know. He certainly showed that he understands that something that is needed and that he's, you know, at least willing to attempt it. And certainly that last speech where he just directed, he didn't use the rhetoric about Muslims, he used the rhetoric about Mexicans and all the things that are just, you know, just totally ridiculous stuff that he said. He reeled in and took aim instead of Hillary, which I think we probably had a few conversations with, you know, the RNC and some other Republicans who told him they'd support him if he did that. But he's capable of change, but is it permanent or temporary is, you know, what we'll see.
0: Well, yeah, and I think that's an important thing. That, like you said, he didn't say uh, um, uh, extraordinarily problematic things about uh, uh, Muslims or about uh, uh, Latinos, but he has in the past. So mm-hmm. w- one of the reasons that uh, really raised my eyebrows when he was running is uh, his idea of building a wall, uh, banning people uh, based on a, uh, a religious test, and mass deportation. These are things that he has supported that he hasn't really walked back. I've
1: never- They're ridiculous. Mass deportation is never gonna happen and the amount of money that it would cost this country would be absolutely ridiculous and not worth it. Banning Muslims is not what America was based on. I mean, he's gotta get with that and realize that if he wants to be the president of America of the United States, that we were based on people coming over here in religious freedom and basically coming here to escape some bullshit that they didn't want to deal with. You know, so I mean he's trying to get with that. And he's not stupid. He knows this. I don't know if he's just pandering to that with like, extreme right tea party, whatever, so he can sure up those numbers and he'll go more center. That's what I think personally. Stuff like abortion, I don't think Trump's anti-abortion. I think that he said that to get those people. And I think if he does the president, he'll fly more to the middle. I think he's been extremely pro-pro Planned Parenthood. He's given money to plenty of causes that support women's health. So with a little bit of cap dancing to the far right, I, I think. He has to now become more establishment to cap-dance now for the establishment Republicans to get their support. Then he'll start cap-dancing towards the senator to try to go for, you know, a popular vote. Um, but he doesn't even need to do that. He really can run the Electoral College, and that's all he needs to do is get, like, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Florida, and it's good night. So we'll see.
0: Well, yeah, but he's, uh, right now, he's, he's dropping like a rock in Florida. You are right. I mean, a lot of people understand that, and, you know, I, I follow that uh, really close you know, uh, there's a website I go to, 270toWin.com, that kind of really tracks that well. You can do your own interactive map, and whoever takes Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, or a two out of three is going to be the next president of the United States. But I want to, I want to oh. ask, I want to ask you this, okay? And, and that's where you know all the money. And and Hillary's already there, and he's not there yet. Do you think he's actually a billionaire? I mean, Mark Cuban has come out and said that he doesn't think that Donald Trump's a billionaire. He says I think he's worth 165 million dollars liquid. Because that was his FEC filing. Do you think he's really a billionaire? Do I think he's worth that liquid?
1: Yeah, Mark Cuban's probably accurate about what he's worth liquid. But, you know, we're not judged on that here. No matter if you're judged on your assets, you're judged on the value of what you're able to license. When people say you're worth a billion, they're also evaluating what your potential worth is. He licenses his name out. The Trump brand is not, he's not even building most of the hotels and things he does anymore. He's licensing it out to other you know, entities. So... Is he worth a billion? Is he? Could he feasibly say he's worth a billion? And be the accurate? Sure, that's, he can manipulate anything. So I don't think it's a blatant lie. I think it's a little bit of a manipulation, which everything is I mean, it's marketing. It's, you know, when you walk into the grocery store, everything you see, every word, every everything is a manipulation. And it sounds like I'm, the, you know, the huge Trump supporter and defending him. Well, sure hold on, hold on, because I, I, I want
0: to get to that as my final question, but I, I want to I ask you one more question before I, ask you, uh, uh, before I ask my final question, and then I want to follow up with some interesting stuff I'm seeing that you're doing in New York right now, and I want to know about that. But, so, one of the accusations against him right now is that he's sexist, you know? Uh, I actually saw an article one time, or a, a quote of his, where he was talking about his current wife. Someone asked about him, he goes, she's a great piece of ass that and that might be something a guy might say to another guy sitting around smoking a cigar someplace someone got publicly so you were there you were on the apprentice okay did he hit on you was there any sexist behavior was he rude anything to ever raised eyebrows
1: he didn't hit on me or any of us directly personally but he definitely talked about our looks he would very often say look at this beautiful cast of women uh you all look great uh, one time when we were at the Playboy Mansion, he he was talking to me and Christine from the cast, and he said, "Wow, well, you know, you this is during the taping of the show. We had won, uh, our team won, and going to the Playboy Mansion and meeting half and, and you know, having a party with all the girls with the reward. It was funny because my team was all females and one gay guy, and he mused, oh, what a waste, you know, the boys seemed to win, the girls did, which was finally interesting because I thought, well, God, the Playboy is an iconic Part of American culture, of course, women could appreciate it. We're excited. We were excited to be there, whether we, whether you're a feminist or not. Just going somewhere and learning about it, you know, is great. And we, even if we, so we didn't want to have sex with the playmates It means that it was wasted on us. It was a little bit not offensive, just a little bit like you could tell that he kind of, you know, just has that older white guy thing. He, old wealthy rich men have a certain mentality, and Trump very not surprisingly has that mentality and kind of attitude and expectations towards women, um, which I definitely saw. I wasn't ever personally offended by it. I just thought, sure, that's this kind of stereotypey fit fit. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, but when we were at the playbook, mentioned, he mentioned something to me and Christine. He said, wow, you guys are you know, something paraphrasing. between like, oh, you guys are beautiful. And then he said "And you don't even need all the plastic surgery that these women have to look great, you know, comparing us to our bodies to the playmate. Yeah, And I, I thought it was, it was hilarious because uh, Christine and I both have fake boobs, so and I said it, and uh, and he kind of laughed and was like, "Oh, really?" You know, and I, I mean, I'm the type of person who was open about this. That conversation was completely fine with me. I know Christine was really mad at me because people didn't know her boobs are fake. So, but um, it <laughs> kind of rolling. No one knows now. I guess people know because I'm saying it right now. Who cares? Um, and uh, but I thought it was funny. He kind of thought it was funny. Christine was pissed, which I also thought was funny. And uh, I wasn't offended by that conversation at all. know a lot of people would say that's an inappropriate conversation to have with your potential boss, whether it's a fake reality TV boss or not. But I don't care. I've, I've had actual bosses at, at companies I work for where I've talked about the same thing, and that does not bother me. But I definitely see why it would bother some other people.
0: All right. So actually, I've, I've got two quick final questions. And here, Do you believe that he has the temperament to be president of the United States? I don't know. Okay.
1: Truly, really don't know, and do I have some trepidation about that? Sure, yeah, that does scare me a bit. It's possible that he does. It's possible that he doesn't. I'm just not sure. All
0: right, and then uh, the final question is, and then I want to I want to pivot to something you're doing right now. Uh, but uh, are you going to vote if he are you going to vote for Donald Trump for president?
1: I'm an undecided voter. I've met Donald Trump. I've met Hillary Clinton, and I've met the Libertarian candidate Gary Johnson. I have not met Green Party Jill Stein. Uh, but I've met three of the major presidential candidates and had a chance to speak with them at length. Uh, they're all larger than life. Gary's a little bit more of a, a person. Um, meeting Trump, when you meet him, it really is like you're meeting an entity, not a human. Hillary Clinton, I met her also in Phoenix uh, about 10 years ago as well. Larger than life, like not a real person. Like you're meeting the entity, Hillary Clinton. Uh, Gary Johnson has some really good ideas. I've, I don't identify as a libertarian, but I think that Gary Johnson in a way it makes a lot of sense for america right now and does have that kind of different independent thing that people are looking for uh if you'll notice trump's railing against the establishment and trying to get Bernie people towards him but i'm an undecided voter i think in the end i'll be with her i'll be with hillary um probably but uh, i'm an undecided voter
0: okay all right good you know that i appreciate you coming on because like I said, you, you get into debates and arguments and agreements with people about about these people. But they really, for most of us, are just... Unfortunately, nowadays in America, there's not a big difference between the person running for president and somebody on Keep It Up With Kardashians. They're coming to us in the same way, over the same screens, in the same entertaining fashion. And it can get a little confusing. And I, I said, man, I know someone. I was talking with my producer, my, my wife, Shirley. Uh, and I said, I know someone who uh, had actually met him personally, and we got to get him on the air. So, Jen, thank you so much. I want to ask you about something I saw real quick. Um, and I just to say, it, it, and if I'm off base here, but something on your uh, Facebook, something you're involved with called Fuck Rape Culture? Yeah, so
1: me and a secret feminist internet girl gang
0: um,
1: have basically in that it's usually not an action group. It's usually a place where it's a safe space where women can come to talk a safe space where women can come to discuss something or if they have a problem get it dealt with. Decided, you know, sitting in these internet groups like everyone does. Everyone's guilty that's kind of just sharing information and going, well, this sucks. Going, oh, we don't like, you know, too many women are being raped and men aren't being, you know, prosecuted for it or there's too many guns and then you share something on Facebook and you go about your day and we thought, well, that's just, you know, it's not taking action so we formed an action group called girl cult, which is G-R-L-C-V-L-T, if people want to look it up, um, and just you know put on an event to stop rape culture to get signatures to unseat the judge in the Stanford rape trial who basically gave a convicted rapist, who was convicted on all counts, and there were witnesses to the rape. He gave him a slap on the wrist, gave him six months in prison, which he's eligible to get out in two months, and said, oh, you know, these 20 minutes of action in his life shouldn't determine his future, with complete disregard for the fact that he permanently altered a woman's future by raping her. Uh, in front of witnesses. No contest. It wasn't a he said, she said. He did it. He got convicted. And the judge went, oh, for him, you know, who's just a boy who made a mistake and we don't want to ruin his life over it, which is pretty outrageous. So uh, we got about a thousand signatures in one night and we're, we're t- continuing to, uh, and we're continuing to do everything we can to try to make sure that, you know, judges do the message loud and clear if somebody's convicted of rape, you sentence them accordingly to try to deter future rapes. You don't make it a boys club slap on the wrist kind of thing because that's just completely... I mean, unreal. It
0: was it was, a, it, was, a, it, was a, it was a horrible decision. I mean, when I when I saw it, I go, man, I don't believe this. You know, you see the you see the vast discrepancy between um, uh, uh, the way that uh, uh, possibly a privileged young white male is treated and other people in society. You know, not only not only was it you know a horrendous rape, and, and when you read about how it went down, uh, but then you realize that if this guy was African American or Latino or. or or any other ethnicity at all uh, and they in the, and the, and the uh, prosecutor asked for six years the judge probably went no Well, let's add another 12 that uh, that this this was one of the most horrendous decisions I've seen yeah we haven't seen decisions like this since you used to see in the deep south in the 1950s when someone would be lynched it's almost like in my estimation a female lynching you know because someone's life has been permanently altered and there was just a slap on the wrist. And I think it's so cool that instead of just complaining about it or going, well, our elected officials should do something about it, that you're taking action. So, Jen. No, uh, really, we ought
1: really keep that a go.
0: Yeah. There, there's, like I said, I, I read your article in New Yorker about how you uh, became your own uh, publicist. I read that. I've read some of your stuff on Vice. If people want to be able to uh, have more access to all the things that you're doing right now, uh, what's the easiest way for them to be able to access uh, uh, the articles you're doing and some of the things you're involved with?
1: the best thing to do would probably be find me on Twitter. Um, I'm just at Jen Hoffman, J-E-N-N-H-O-F-S-M-A-N. I, re- I respond to people. I tweet people back. Um, you know, I love communicating with people there. I believe my DM is open. I love getting DMs. I love getting feedback. People send me some stories to cover that have to do with, you know, kind of social justice issues, although I'm definitely not a social justice warrior, and I love that. I'm a very transparent person, which you see is what you get, so people wanna you know slide into my dms on
0: twitter go right ahead all right so at jen hoffman on twitter that's j-e-n-n-h-o-f-f-m-a-n uh we're going to post it yeah. up on our site too so that people can get to it jen thank you very much jen hoffman who was on the apprentice season six knows donald trump personally uh and we know her personally and we want to thank you very much for uh for uh, call for allowing us to call you today thank you so much for having me on it was great All right, Jen. Bye-bye.